Thanks, Susan. Hello again, you guys. It's like a newscaster. Thanks, Susan. <laughs> now back to Susan. <laughs> She's a very specific job. But we with part two of Robert Henson, the baker butcher, or the butcher baker, I yes. have my, yeah, the butcher baker of Alaska. So yeah. we're going to jump right in thing. Are yeah. you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I took my hoodie off and everything, you guys, and I was dying of heat stroke here. So what do you remember from the last time we talked about Robert Henson? Not a whole lot, I'm not going to lie. But I've also had quite a few glasses of wine, so there's that. Yes. And to be fair, it actually has been a couple of weeks since we did part one. So what we kind of left off with Robert Hansen is he moved to Alaska. He has married his second wife at this point. They now have had two kids. And he has just... He went to jail because... What he, he, Susie, blah, sorry, Susie Heppard, the girl that smiled at him at the, at the red light. So he followed her home and then he stalked her and then at gunpoint and then the awesome neighbor who was like, well, she screamed, so I'm going to call the police anyway. That happened. And then we ended up with Laura where we left off, who police had convinced, look, if this goes to court and trial, it's going to be a he said, she said, and the jury is going to favor him over you because, you know, you're a prostitute, basically. And he is an upstanding member of the community, and they're not going to. They basically actually had her kind of just like back off, basically. So she escapes. Susie escapes, basically. Before we kick off, there's going to be kind of like a little bit of a laundry list. Some of these victims that we're going to cover, their bodies have been found. Some bodies are still unknown. So some of the victims he has, I mean, all of these victims he has basically admitted killing or he admits that he murdered them. But there are still some that there were a few that he did not talk about and he would not be convicted of all of them. So some are still unknown and we'll kind of get to that at the end. But the way I normally do these timelines is when the murders took place. But because a lot of these women are left in the Alaskan wilderness for long periods of time, they aren't discovered until sometimes years later. So I'm going to base the timeline off of when they disappeared and talk about when they were found or not found and kind of what happened in between. So the timeline is going to be based on their disappearance, not when they're found. Gotcha. One thing to know about Robert is that he likes to, as most serial killers that have an MO, they usually have a place where they do everything. And he would like to take his victims when he kidnapped them to the basement in his home and he would chain them up. He would some handcuff them to something and then he would and sometimes he would take them or he would skip the basement altogether and he would take them onto his plane, which was a boat plane, and he would fly them from the Merrill Field Airport, which is in Anchorage. 
to his cabin, which was in the Nick River area of the, I might butcher this, Matanuska Valley, part of Alaska, which, as you can imagine, is only accessible by boat or boat plane. So he would take them to this very isolated part of the wilderness where he would do one of two things. He would usually torture and rape and assault the women. And some, he would bring them back to Anchorage and he would let them go because he was convinced that they were not going to tell the police, which hasn't worked out for him like at all. So, I mean, hey, the optimist, right? I mean, also the law is on his side, so whatever. Or if he was feeling fun, he would strip them naked and he would tell them to run. Lots of times it's in the snow. And he would then, after he gave them a little bit of a head start, he would get his gun and he would hunt them like game. And he would hunt them down and he would shoot them and most of the time he would just kind of like leave them where they were or he would dump their body in an area he would also keep jewelry and other things so he could keep trophies and he would then mark their graves on this aviation map that he had with an x marks the spot so this aviation map is going to come up later during the trial but that's kind of what his MO was. So just that's kind of the the general idea of what we're going with here. So we're going to start this off in December 22nd of 1971 with Cecilia Van Zanten. She was also known as Beth. She was 18 years old. She went missing and her body wouldn't be found. Her body was actually found on Christmas Day, which is unfortunate. Her body was actually found pretty soon. And she had frozen to death. And she was actually discovered by two hunters three days later. So there was two hunters out and about hunting on Christmas Day. They stumbled upon her body. What they said, what they discovered was they think what happened after they figured out what Robert was doing is they think that she actually kind of got away from Robert and he just left and she was so scared to try to flee any further she actually froze to death hiding behind a tree which is really sad so we're starting it off strong honestly looked like my nightmare I I hate being cold I hate it the fact that these poor women froze to death like oh there's a reason yeah. why I live in a very, very hot place. I do not like being cold. Yeah. So two days after that, if we remember, Laura was the sex worker whose father was an Anchorage police officer. She told Robert she wouldn't go to the police. She convinced him that she wouldn't go to the police if he let her live. And he let her go. He took the address of her family and he was like, I'll kill your family if you go to the police. She hears about the death of Cecilia or Beth on the radio, and she felt so compelled and so much guilt that she was like, I could have maybe prevented that if I had gone to the police. So she finally goes to her father, and she tells him that she wants to turn Robert in. 
So she cooperates with police. Robert arrested for the abduction and the attempted rape of a housewife and raping a sex worker. So he's he's arrested, abducted. He's arrested on these charges. Overall, though, he would go on to take a plea deal, no contest to the assaults with a deadly weapon for the housewife, while the rape charges would be dropped. So in this plea deal, he's like, listen, I'll take the assault with a deadly weapon on this housewife, but I never raped her. She's saying I raped her because she wanted more money. I didn't want to give her that much money. So that's the plea. That's the plea they gave him. So he took that plea deal, which is a bunch of lesser charges. Like, not that sexual assault is any less intense than rape, but that's how they're that there's that's how they're playing it. He would be sentenced to five years, but only after serving six months. He would be released on work release, and he would also be released into a halfway house. So for those that don't know how work release works in most American prisons, if you're on work release, most of the time you're allowed out during your business hours, but then you have to come back to jail after. I've never heard of someone going to a halfway house, so that could be a thing. But they basically, after six months, were like, yeah, you're fine. And they just kind of like let him go and do his own thing. So he lays low for a little bit. And July 7th of 1973, Megan Emmerich goes missing. There's really no information I could find on her. Her body was never found. But people do believe that she is linked to Robert as well. And then two years later, in July 5th of 1975, Mary Bill also goes missing. Again, not much information I could find on her. Her body was also never found, but it's suggested that she's also linked to Robert, even though there's no evidence to prove that she is. Hmm. So now we're going to jump into 1976. Robert takes another plea deal to a larceny charge after he's caught stealing a chainsaw from the store he worked at. So he's sentenced to five years again and psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. So by this point, he's being diagnosed with bipolar. He got caught stealing this chainsaw. He's sentenced to go have treatment done. And then the Supreme Court decided to reduce his sentence and release him with time served. So they are like, ah, he's done enough. It was just a chainsaw. He's doing the treatment. And let him go. So he also doesn't face any real time in jail. I'm like, what's that? Like, a chainsaw for his murders? I'm like, that's well, that's... no one knows that he's murdered yet. That's the thing. Ugh. Please don't tell me he kills somebody with a chainsaw. No, that's not his MO. He doesn't like to do that. He likes to. Um, that's, but yeah. It's interesting but... to me that the Supreme Court is like, time served i'm like i don't know why i had to go to the supreme court but that's not why i'm here yeah it's a little extreme so now we're going to jump forward to november of 1979 with eklutna annie so she's kind of one of the first known i wouldn't say first known because there is the one before her but eklutna annie becomes one of like the bigger talked about women she was only in her late teens to early 20s when her her murder took place 
her body would be found. She was actually discovered buried next to a power line on July 21st of 1980. So she would be found roughly six, seven months later by the construction workers actually building this building near this power line. Um, Hansen does admit killing her, but he admitted stabbing her in the back after she made an effort to flee from his car. So he claims when she got into his car, when he propositioned her, he obviously tried to attack her. She had a knife and she was like, no way, buddy. And he somehow got the knife out of her hands and then they were like outside and he stabbed her. And so she's the only victim I think that he really stabbed to death. He also claimed that she was his first murder victim. Like I said, with Beth, Cecilia, while there is no like direct evidence tying her to Robert, it matches his MO and even like kind of the area of the woods. So he claims that a Clutin Annie was his first victim, but we don't really know. Unfortunately, identifying her positively was not a possibility because by the time her body was discovered it had been basically the bottom half it had been eaten away by so many animals that there was no way to identify her from the waist up because there really was no waist up so they did a bust of her they did like one of those what is it called a facial reconstruction and that's what was put on the TV. And that's what was put out there for people to maybe identify her. But unfortunately, she was never identified. And just based on the area that she was found is why she was named uh, Annie. So that's his first victim that he confirms. So we're going to jump forward to May 19th of 1980 with Joanne Messina. She was 24 years old. Her body would be found, but she was going out to dinner with him. Um, they had dinner before she propositioned him to pay her money to offer him sexual favors. He was totally fine with that. He refused to pay her after she did what she was going to do and then refused to release her, assuming that was in his car and in the kind of, not like the cabbie, but like the back part of his car, like the Thing that he kept on the back whatever you call those things a camper probably so he refused to release her and he ended up driving her and her dog to a very distant place by the snow river he did hit her with a 22 revolver before shooting her twice and the dog won so Aww. the dog i don't died. like that i don't like that at all yeah, they said, I think, I don't know where I read it, or maybe I heard it on a podcast. There was lots of notes and sources that I used. But I think he said he killed the dog because he didn't want it to possibly find its way back to her body where he dumped it. Do well with animal abuse. So he he took her body to a gravel pit nearby and like kind of just like chucked her into it. And then he took her dog's body and the gun and he threw it into the Snow River. And then on July 8th of 1980, so a little less than a month later or two months later, 
her severely decomposed body would be found after it had been obviously eaten by wildlife, but her body would be found. So June 29th of 1980, Roxanne Eastland, I believe is how you pronounce that. She was 24 years old. Her body has not been found, but it said that she had been residing at the Budget Motel near Spennerd, Spennerd Road in Anchorage with her boyfriend for the last two weeks or so. And she left that day to go meet a man downtown on 4th Avenue, with who, if you remember when I was talking last time in part one, 4th Avenue was kind of like the red light district. It's that hub. If you want to find sex, that's where you're going to find it. She was supposed to go meet a man on 4th Avenue. She went missing after that, and she had never been heard from since. Although Hansen does admit killing her, her body has never been discovered. In September of 1980, so September 7th of 1980, we have Lisa or Betty Futrell. She was 41 years old. Her body would go on to be found, but she met Hansen at a night at the nightclub that she worked at. And after chatting a little bit, they decided later on that they would meet up. And she is a, she's subsequently kidnapped by Hansen later on after they met. And when she failed to return home, she was reported missing by, by her roommates. And her body would not be discovered until four years later on May 9th of 1984. She was buried next to a gravel pit um, where the former Nick Bridge used to be. So he kind of, when he does dump the bodies or he buries them, a lot of them are in a very similar area, like I said, in that part of the wilderness that he's really familiar with. So there's going to be some repetitive terminology you're going to hear or sites or grave sites. So that's where her body would be found, unfortunately, four years later. July 10th of 1981, we have, I hope I don't say her name wrong, Malaya or Malaya. Larson, she was 28. Her body would go on to be found. She was reported missing. And on April 24th of 1984, so again, three years later, her body would finally be discovered in a parking lot close to the former Nick River Bridge. So again, similar area. And because it's so out there, it's hard to find. November 17th of 1981, we have Sherry Morrow. She was 23 years old. Her body would be found as well. So she told a friend that she was supposed to be going and meeting this photographer and was offering her $300 for nude images. And she left and she was never heard from again. And until September 12th of 1982, so basically a year later, a shallow grave would be discovered by some hunters in the woods on the banks of the next river, and that's where she would be. She was reported missing. I don't know if it was by her roommate or by her family, but she was reported missing not long after she left that day. But like I said, there was she took a year to be found. They were able to identify her. They discovered that she had had three gunshot wounds to her back, 
and the cartridges were actually discovered, which is pretty impressive since it had been over a year. And what they discovered, though, was even though she was fully clothed, there were no bullet holes in her clothing. So they suspect that she was naked. And by the time so she was naked in the woods when she was shot, and then she was redressed before she was tossed into this burial site. Realize how far it is to dress a dead body. I mean, yeah. not a lie I do now. It is very difficult. So that's some effort right there. And like, why? It's a really good question. I don't really know if they ever got an answer. I could be wrong. If anybody knows that answer, I would love to know myself. I would only theorize that it has to be a couple of things. It either has to be, and he does this for multiple victims. This isn't like a one and done, but I think it either has to be like, he thinks if he just closed them, maybe that people will suspect that, oh, she was shot by hunters by accident or Maybe she just died in the cold and not noticed the bullet holes in her back. Maybe he was hoping that she would be decomposed enough or eaten by wildlife that it wouldn't be obvious. Or there's some kind of, I mean, the other theory is usually like, oh, there's guilt attributed to it. Usually that's when people cover the face or turn the face away. But he has no shame in what he does. So I don't think that has anything to do with it. Or he's just weird. I mean, I'm going to lean more towards Kip trying to hide these factors of like how they were killed. But man, that's a lot of effort. I'm going to tell you. It's not easy. Right? Especially already in the cold. And also, clearly this man did never never watch the, the show Bones or anything like that. Because they could find a lot of shit out from somebody's body, okay? Regardless of if there's clothes or not. Well, amazingly, they don't, like, find a lot of evidence. They actually don't get a lot of, like, DNA evidence until, like, later. I mean, so they need to be sending these bodies to the Smithsonian or something so that Bones can, like, investigate them. Yep. Exactly. But says she'd be able to tell you, like, everything. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kidding, you guys. But really, though, like... That's a lot of effort for to maybe hide the factor what happened to them. But and maybe he maybe he enjoyed it. Maybe he enjoyed that I'm gonna try to fool these people factor or something. Who knows? I don't I don't think anything though that it was like a shame or anything like that. Like he was ashamed of what he did. No. He has zero shame in what he did. So then we're gonna go, we're gonna jump ahead like two weeks to December 2nd of 1981 with Andrea or Andrea Altieri. And she was 24. She was never discovered. Unfortunately, her body is unknown. But she was just last seen boarding a taxi to meet an unnamed man for a photo shoot and to perform exotic dances around the Boniface Mall in Anchorage. So that was the last time she was seen. He does claim that after he met with her, he threatened her with a gun, which is very typical of his MO, and he abducted her, blindfolded her, put her in his 
plane took her near the Nix River Bridge. He said they took a car to serve. I'm sorry. They. I jumped back and forth. They get on the plane. They go to his place. Where he says he unbound her and then he abused her sexually and he would go on to kill her with his 22 automatic pistol. He says he killed her after she retaliated. Like she fought back the audacity of this woman. She fought back when I was trying to assault her. How dare she? How dare she? He then weighted down a duffel bag with a bunch of rock and gravel. And he tied her to it and he threw her body off of the bridge and he kept her necklace. So it is like this pretty predominant like fish necklace. There's like pictures of it and stuff. And he kept it for his trophy, which would be discovered later on, which is bad news bears, right? But like I said, unfortunately, her body has never been found. So she's sleeping with the fish. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry, but. No, I mean, honestly, you never know. River monsters exist. They probably ate her, so sorry. Maybe. Or maybe she turned into a mermaid. That would be nice. Oh, I like that. Ooh, that would be a good origin story for, like, a siren. Ooh, yes, it would. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked. Back right. to the Back to the sadness. We're going to go now to May 30th of 1982 with Sue Luna. Also, maybe I should do sirens at one point. <laughs> a siren story. I fucking love sirens. But yeah, okay, anyways, continue. Okay, I'm telling you, you have to do like a cryptid circuit. Cryptid and Greek mythology. Oh, I do love Greek mythology. Okay. Yes. So, Sue Luna, who was 23 years old, her body has been found pattern is forming here she voluntarily agreed to take three hundred dollars to do a photo shoot obviously with a nightclub patron aka robert and then eventually they would meet up in the diner parking lot where he would abduct her and she would be reported missing the next day because she never came home he does say he abducted her and he had her flee into the forest, and he said, well, hunting her like an animal while naked. So if that doesn't paint you how he sees women or his victims in general, that's how he sees them. Where he would shoot her and bury her near the Nix River, and her body wouldn't be discovered for two years on April 24th of 1984. So in August, on August 7th of 1982, there's Tamara or Tamara Pedersen. She was 20 years old. Her body would go on to be found. The last her family actually heard of her was a phone call where she claimed that she had been offered money to take photographs and she was kidnapped and murdered by Hansen. Her body would be found two years later on April 29th of 1984 one and a half miles from the old Nix Bridge, which seems to be the main hub, if you haven't noticed. Oh, yeah. So, like, okay, just imagine it's 1984, which seems to be the year people are finding all of these bodies. 
and you're just finding all these bodies. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, could you imagine? Body after body after body. You're just finding it around this bridge. I mean, you would think that, like, an absolute, like, bolo would be like, be on the lookout for please don't go and pay to get your picture taken care. Or, you know, don't meet up with some random stranger. Especially if it involves taking your pictures for money. Right. You would think that all of them, because all of his women have been reported. Right. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so my question is, is like, all, out of all these women that are, are being reported, do people understand what it was that they were doing? So they were all going to get their photos taken, right? Do people all, like, each person, each one of these women, do they have somebody that like, you know, that's like, hey, by the way, I'm going to get my photo taken and I'm going to get paid for it. Are they able, are investigators, like, actually able to, like, say these are all linked to, like, warn the public at all? The unfortunate thing is there is a particular person, there's an investigator who we're going to talk about who kind of starts to put the pieces together. But the sad part is, is just like the police department in English didn't give a shit about sex workers. And the majority of these women, if not all of them, were sex workers or strippers and sex workers or one or the other. And they just didn't give a shit. So when these women went missing... And even if they reported, there was no effort going into finding. Hmm. That sucks. So I'm glad I'm, I'm glad at least I feel like nowadays things have changed. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry, but like I mean, I obviously clearly don't do that as a profession or nor do I really know anybody that does, but they're still human. Exactly. Still alive. Exactly. And that's part of the reason why he targeted them is because he was like, no one's going to care if they're gone. So I'm more. Well, safe. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, the, like what we talked about, was like they know how to target the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yes, if somebody cared, they would have caught on to that way earlier, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. So. We're going up to February of 1983 with Angela Federn, who was 24 years old. Her body would go on to be found. She was last seen on 4th Avenue. She unfortunately would not be reported missing until May. When the owner of the nightclub she worked at realized she wasn't showing up for her shifts. So it took them about three months to realize she wasn't coming in to work. And, they actually, and then her boss actually reported her missing. In the same fashion we've been seeing, Hansen abducted her and murdered her, and her body would be found on April 26, 1984, on a small lake near the Figure 8 Lake, which is a very unique name. So her body wouldn't be found for like another year. <laughs> so in March, on March 25th, 1983, there's Teresa Watson, who is 22 years old. And these are all, unfortunately, really young, beautiful women. Her body would be found. She informed her roommate. Can you guess that she informed her roommate of? She was going to get her pictures taken and getting paid for it? Yeah. So she was offered $300 to offer an hour to a company to some man. 
And she goes off and she's never seen again. Um, they meet up at Scenic Lake where Hansen abducts her and kills her. He was unable and unsuccessful to bury her body in the area because the earth in that area was just still frozen from the winter. So he just abandoned her where he killed her and he was like, Man, I don't know. And just like left her there. And yeah, like dog poop. Oh, I don't have a bag. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> like it's fucked up, but that's how I see it. He was just like, oh my gosh. I can. And. The crazy thing is, nobody would find her for another year, and she wouldn't be found until May 17th of 1984. Oh, my God. Okay, so maybe I'm the only weirdo, but, like, obviously, like, okay, so a lot of, like, what I do on my free time, too, is, like, I mean, in the past, I've done a lot of off-roading and stuff like that, so I go down these, like, crazy trails. Am I the only one that thinks, I'm like, wow, this trail, like, goes forever? I'm like... You can really hide a dead body back here and nobody would ever know. No, I think about this up all the time that I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> it was really dark. Okay, let's not think about that. But no, like really, like I'm like, of all places, like people are not smart when it comes to like, they just don't, they just don't care. It's so, like, there are plenty of places in the U.S. that you can literally just like go off the grid and like they probably will never be found. Yeah, I mean, I asked John, this is how I knew we had two totally different mindsets. I asked John, I don't know, maybe like a year into our relationship, I was like, have you ever just like wondered how, like, do you think that you, like, how you would survive or if you would survive if you were ever like abducted and like held in like maybe like a saw type situation? Like if you were held captive, like, do you think you would be a survivor? Like, have you ever thought about what you would do? And he was like, no, it's <laughs> like, oh. Two very different people. Like, I would know. Yeah. For sure. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm already thinking of ways to escape. Like, doing the thing. Okay. <laughs> so. We don't give up. Okay? Balance. There's always a way. Balance. We don't just give up. Exactly. Like, no. I would be, I always think, I, I like to pride myself in thinking that I'd be a very hard person to murder. This is not like, the presentation, a, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. But I always like to think that like, it'd be a challenge. I like to make it at least challenging for you. Especially <laughs> Darcy and her kids. Well, I'm saying, listen, the biggest thing you gotta know is just go for the it's just Oh, yeah. It's like, like with like the great white sharks, you know, you know, put a stab them in the eye. Or if somebody's gonna tie you up, flex all of your muscles as tight as you can. So when they walk away and you stop flexing, everything's looser. Ooh, that's a good one. They <laughs> two two types of people. We're the type of people that carry like a murder binder, you know. So if we're ever murdered, you guys have a binder of shit from us. Mm-hmm. Or if I go missing. Yep. This is Be compared, people. There's a hair sample. Here's a list of possible subjects. Yeah. Also, here's everyone you should talk to who could help you find the suspect. By the way. <laughs> it's the fact that on a regular basis, Darcy and I are like, you know, if I'm ever murdered, please, this is my list. It's like, no, 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 no. She wouldn't do that. I know she wouldn't yeah. do that. No, there are very few people. In fact, there's only a very small number of people that know my location at all times. And Darcy's one of them because I know that she'd be able to be like, they did it. 
Aiden hit it. It was that one. <laughs> is there anybody that might want to harm her? Yes, yes, there is. I already know his name. I know where he works, too. <laughs> okay, and on a side note, it looks like there's a giant donut on my head, and this is not a sock thing. Oh, I'm proud of you. Yeah, you know what this is of? Remember when, like, the croissant hair was super cool? Yeah. It's that, but then, like, twist. It's a modified version of the croissant. I could never do that with my hair. I could do it to your hair. This is, this is, this is it for me right here. See, I wanted to curl my hair to show you how awesome my heatless curler works. But then I got snowed on and I said, no. Yeah, no. Like I said, a shower today, so I'm like, it's perfectly straight and clean. This is what you're getting. Usually it's on like day two or day three. If I ever do something to my hair, like crimp it or curl it, that's why. Because it's dirty. As is most good hair. Moving on. So now we're going to jump ahead to March of 1983 with Dylan or Dylan, Dylan, Renee, or Sugar Frey. She was 22 years old. Her body would go on to be found. She was not immediately reported missing, unfortunately, but she was abducted, killed, and buried. She would be discovered on the Nix River's sandbar by a pilot on August 20th of 1985. She was actually called Jane Doe in the Anchorage Cemetery until 1989 when she was actually able to be identified by an Alaska State Trooper because he recognized her jewelry in a case file photo. Which means to me he knew her. So. (laughs) Knew her, huh? (laughs) Enough to know her jewelry and know her by name. Yes. So I'm not saying he like knew her, knew her, but he knew her. Yeah. But good for him coming forward. So one month later, in April 25th of 1983, there's Paula Goulding, who was 31 years old. It was really weird. There were a lot of reports saying that she was 17 and there was some change she was 31, but I went to findagrave.com and I found her and she's 30. It says 32 on there, but I'm like, you know what? 31, 32. She's not 17 regardless, but that's what I saw. So her body was found, but Hansen had offered her money, probably for some kind of sexual favor in which he, in true fashion, he kidnapped her, took her to his plane, shackled her, tied her up once he normally does, And then he demanded that she get out of the plane by the threat of being shot. She fought with him and attempted to get away. Once they reached the remote location, according to Hansen, he says she fled and he fired his 23-233 rifle at her, which killed her. And... She had been wounded in the back, but because her clothing was unharmed, it's also theorized that she was naked and then redressed after the fact. 
And she wouldn't be found until a few months later on September 2nd of 1983, where she would be found buried in a shallow grave by the Nix River. And I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. It's K and I K, so it's probably Nick. But I'm saying Nick. So please correct me. So we'll see, I, had- I feel like I've heard it before, and it's like it's like Knick River. So to throw you off even more, Knick. Oh, it might be Knick River. Let me know. Put like those brackets with like how you spell it for some oh. people. No, no. Like, I asked my friend who's living in Alaska now, so that I used to work with. Like, how do you pronounce this? Yeah. Great. Love it. That way we have uh, Alaska, too, so we can add it to our list. Yeah, Alaska, get in on this. Anyway, July 19th of 1983, there is Robin, Robin Pelkey. What a bonkers, I would say bonkers story, only because there was an update in 2021 for for her so that's exciting so robin pelkey who was up until 2021 known as horseshoe harriet that was her jane doe basically again based on the location she was found that's where she got the name she was 19 years old her body was found but never identified hansen told the police that he hadn't bothered to like even get her name when he met her so he didn't really have a name to give them so they picked he picked her up off the street in anchorage again forced her onto his plane flew her out to the lake where he would kill and dump her body she had been stabbed and shot my only thought process is maybe she fought back it seems to be the only time he really uses a like a knife is when they fight back So he stabbed her and he shot her. They don't know if she was involved in anything sexually in nature. He didn't talk about it. So they don't know if she was a sex worker or not. He doesn't mention it. But her partial skeletal remains would be found on April 25th, 1984. So a year later. In Palmer, Alaska, close to Horseshoe Lake. So that's where she got Horseshoe Harriet as her alias name. But fast forward to October of 2021, forensic genealogy actually is used to identify her. And for those of you who don't know what forensic genealogy is, it's basically those sites that ever, like my boyfriend refuses to use, like 23andMe. He's like, I don't need the government knowing more about me than they know and i'm like well to be fair they kind of already i'm like that information can't really be used for much but i guess if you're trying to i don't know i can get down a whole rabbit hole of that but it's basically (laughs) sites like 23andme and a bunch of other sites and then there's types of forensic genealogy sites that law enforcement uses and they're able to take like because that's how what's his name was caught that's how that one killer was caught he was like 70 or 80 was because his cousin was on 23andme and they found him through his cousin because they had his dna so they were able to find out who she was through one of these sites because other people had their dna in there and they were able to link her and figure out who she was because when her case eventually i mean obviously 
her case went cold not long after they couldn't identify her. And it was reopened in 2014 in hopes that a DNA match could be made. So they held it off because DNA wasn't super prominent at the time. And then they reopened her case in 2014. And then it still took, what, seven years for them to actually get an identification. And it was through genealogy, which I think is amazing. Where was my note? What was I going to say? Oh, her parents died not long before her her body could be identified, which is why she was never identified sooner. So her parents had died. She was on the streets basically when she was 19, which says she came across Hansen. And her grave marker was actually purchased by the Alaska State Troopers. So oh. there was, there's that. That's a that's a good job on their part then. Sure. We'll we'll give them a bronze star for that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, considering how many unnamed bodies there are, like that's the thing that people don't realize that, you know, when you'd only hold a body for so long and preserve it for so long and then the amount of Jane Doe's and John Doe's and like the homeless population and stuff like that that die. And they really just get cremated and that's it. Mm -hmm. Forgotten forever. Unfortunately. But she was able to be identified, which we can only hope for some of the ones that are still missing. Yeah. So, June 13th of 1983, we have Cindy Paulson, who's 17 years old. And Cindy Paulson is the one that got away. Oh, there's always one that gets away. Cindy Paulson is the one that doesn't stop. So Hell yeah, Cindy. You get a girl. And she's probably his youngest victim to date. She's 17 years old. Even more get a girl. He's feisty. Yeah. So Cindy obviously survives. But she was offered $200 by Robert to give him oral sex. And he drove her to his home at gunpoint where he took her down to his basement. He wrapped a chain around her and then locked her to a beam in the in his base in his basement oh i didn't put a space there in his basement so he kind of had like a beam and he had the chain like attached to something on the beam and he like put this chain around her neck and he like kept her there where he would rape her and torture her i think he did that for a few days and then when he was done, he took a nap on the couch right by her. So he just took a little nappy nap to regain his strengths before deciding we need to go to the cabin because I'm done here. You know? So he, after his nap is over, he puts her into his camper. He shuffles her off to the airport. It's broad daylight, by the way. This is important. As I said before, because the area he's trying to get to is only accessible by boat or by boat plane. And while he's prepping the plane to get Cindy in and everything, she does two things. She, first of all, takes off her blue sneakers and kicks them up under where, like, the passenger side seat is. Like, she puts them either, like, she puts them up there. So she's like, if I die... People will know I was in this car because my sneakers are in this car. So she does that. Then she 
crawls into the front seat and she cracks the door open and she bolts and she just takes off. She, while he's fucking with the plane, she takes her opportunity. She takes off. She's barefoot on this tarmac running towards 6th Avenue. And he's like, oh, fuck shit. And I got to go get her. So he starts chasing after her. Mind you, she's like, she's handcuffed. She's got handcuffs on. She's like running, trying to like get away. And he's panicking. He's following behind her. And then he realizes that a security guard inside the airport is watching him. So what any non-suspicious person does is he stops immediately and just kind of nonchalantly walks back to his car because that's not suspicious at all, right? No, I mean, especially if like the security guard just watches like poor woman who's handcuffed flee his vehicle. Like, oh, don't mind that. No, no, don't mind that. Don't mind that at all. See, I don't know if he saw that part. I just, I just know he definitely like he's him and Robert like clocked eyes, and he was like, "Oh, turn around." I'm like, "If you've been doing anything wrong, you would still be running." You know what I mean? Yeah. So he bails, and he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna have to like follow her in my car." So he's running back to the car. She's running to the interstate. She beats him. She gets down. She flags down. First of all, oh, she's naked, by the way. Just so you know, she's like, okay, so, naked. so did the security guards see her though? Or did they just I see him trying to run did. after her? So, why didn't the security guard be like, why is there this naked, handcuffed woman just running past me? I don't think he saw her, is what I'm okay. saying. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't be like, sir, you're not being a very good security guard here. You're paying attention to the wrong party. <laughs> yeah. You've got a streaker. Okay. So exactly. she flags down this truck driver. She's like flagging him down. She's like screaming, like, let me in, let me in, let me in. And she gets into this, this truck driver's truck before Hanson can get to her. And you're just like, ah, oh, you know what I mean? Like you're like drill pumping. And this dude is like, like, can I take you somewhere? Like, can I take you to the police station? And she's like, no, no I just want to go to this uh, this motel. So she doesn't want to go to the police. She just wants to get to this motel. And it's probably because that's where her boyfriend slash pimp is. And that's where she, like, wants to be, right? Or wherever this place is. Yeah. So, a little bit of a side note. I'm like, am I the only one that's thinking in their head? How did she have blue sneakers on and but she was naked? Because she needed to walk. I'm not really sure. But <laughs> she doesn't need to question. Okay. Valid well, I question. I have I never been naked with my sneakers on, okay? Okay. Have you also been chained up in somebody's basement and forced into a plane? I don't think so. Oh, I mean, maybe he thought about her poor little feet. You know, maybe they get all cut up from the tarmac. I don't know. But Oh, my gosh. So kind of him. <laughs> That was my thought. So, I'm like, why was she wearing blue sneakers then if she's naked? I don't know. I mean, she pro- he probably brought her clothes because he likes to chase, right? He pushes them out of the plane and says run and then dresses them after the fact. So that's a possibility. I don't know. Uh, um, that was my thought. Okay. My, my little side tangent there. My, my instant brain thought. You're so into these blue sneakers. 
So I don't know what to tell you. It's the fact of like, who's naked with sneakers, okay? Nobody's ever naked with sneakers, okay? Cindy. Cindy was naked with sneakers. Cindy got away too, Smear. She's on to something. It's less, you know, less air resistance. She just... Okay. So anyway, she crawls into this dude's front seat. Where was I? I lost my note. She went back to the motel where her pimp was. Well, she insists that he takes her to the mush inn. And she pleads with him. She's like, just take me there, just take me there, just take me there, just drop me there. So she drops he drops her there. And she begs and pleads with like the, the clerk person to like let me just like make a phone call because she gets there and she's like, This isn't where I need to be. I need to be somewhere else. But I think she just did that to like throw people off. I think she may have just been like diverting. But she gets there, she makes a phone call, she calls cab to take her to the Big Timber Motel. That's where she actually wants to go. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I read my note wrong. She wasn't naked. She was barefoot. She had clothes on, but she was barefoot because she left her shoes in the car. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I would have liked it better if she was naked, but that's besides me. I feel like she would have got more attention to the severity oh, of hell yeah. if she was naked. But I mean, she still survived. So she was barefoot and handcuffed, really. So he drops her off at the mush end. And then he's like, okay, this seems really suspicious. I'm going to like call the police. So he does a good thing. He does uh, the right thing. And he promptly calls 911 and he tells them about the barefoot handcuffed girl that he just dropped off this motel. The police go to the motel. She's not there. She took a cab to the Big Timber Motel, which where they find Cindy, who she's just like in her room. She's still fucking handcuffed. She's barefoot. She's alone. They find out that her pimp and and or boyfriend is not around. And when they find like, well, why? She told him what happened and he had left to go hunt Robert to kill him. So that was his plan, which, you know what? Respect. All right. Right? He took his girl. So, I mean, he would be unsuccessful. He doesn't find Robert, just so you know. So, what happened was at 19 years old, she met Hansen on June 13th, 1983. Wait, why did that duplicate? What the fuck? So, this is what Cindy tells the police. So, she says, I met him on June 13th of 1983. She... They agreed that he would pay for sex. He instead pulled a 35-7 Magnum on her and kidnapped her. She was taken to his home, bound and sexually assaulted before he took her to the Merrill Field where his airplane was. He left her alone in his car while he was loading his plane. He threatened to kill her if she ran away. She ran away towards 6th Avenue. Then she picked up, she was picked up by a passing driver who 
was Robert Young. Robert Yunt Young. He took her to a safe location shortly after, and then he called the police. At about the same time, a security guard at the airport noticed some suspicious activity. And although he made no contact, he did note down the license plate tag for Hansen's car. Police would end up locating and interviewing Paulson about the attack. So they that's when they kind of found him, or they found her, and that was kind of like a synopsis of what actually ended up happening to her. So, what happens now? She lives, and he hasn't been arrested yet. So, this is where Sergeant Glenn Floth, or Flothe, F-L-O-T-H-E, Floth, we call him Floth. Floth. Flothy. Falachi. Falathi. Glenn comes in. So he is the one who's like, man, there's a connection to some of these murders. And then he talks to Cindy. And he notices, he actually goes back and looks at Robert's record. And he's like, oh, he actually isn't this fine, outstanding member of the community that everybody thinks that he is. So... They can't get any warrants. They can't get anything. They don't have enough evidence. So he actually goes to the FBI. And he contacts Agent John Douglas and James Holm, who were the masterminds of, like, the federal fucking behavioral science stuff. Like, they're the people who kind of, like, wrote the book on serial killers. And The one of them's name, last name is Holmes or Holm. Horn. It's horn. horn. Oh, if it's horns, I'm like, like, there's a given there. No, it's home. It's horn. So he didn't he didn't really give them much information. All he gave them was the crime scene photo. The victims and he asked them to create a profile for the type of person that they're looking for. And so he didn't give him any details about any potential suspects. He's just like, here's the actual evidence that we have. They come back with, and I quote, here is their profile for who the ADP, APD should be looking for. The suspect is probably around 40 years of age, a thrill killer who may well be a stutterer, which if you remember in part one, he did have a stutter, which is amazing that they would know that. He's probably an upstanding and respected member of the community, a person who was rejected as a youth and most likely of above average intelligence. And five will get you 10. He's been involved in arson, shoplifting, or both at one time or another. (laughs) Check marked all the boxes. And then they also said, oh yeah, just so you know, he probably keeps a murder kit, and he probably keeps mementos or trophies. Oh, they always have a murder kit and mementos. Which he did. They, like, nailed him to a T, which isn't very often. Like, to be honest, criminal profiles really only work 20% of the time. But this one was crazily spot on. So, that was enough evidence for the court or the judge to finally grant them a warrant. So on October 27, 1983, he is arrested and they search his bakery and his home and they would 
go on to search his car and his plane as well and eventually find his cabin. So while they're searching, his wife and both of his kids were visiting, or and his visiting mother when the police arrive at the house to do the search warrant. And they're like, oh my God, like, clench my pearls is so scary. What they end, they weren't finding anything, but they end up finding a hidden area in his attic where he kept all of his trophies and the guns he used in the murders because the guns that he had that they found didn't match any of the casings or the bullets that they had originally found on the bodies but they found his trophies and they found the guns that matched. so they kind of had their smoking gun if you will so they come to him with some of that evidence he eventually he confessed to killing well he takes a plea deal he and he he agrees to a plea deal that he will disclose more information on the other victims, including the aviation map they found behind his headboard where him and his wife slept. He kept this map where he killed all these people with all 24 X's on them. So there's 24 X's, which potentially means 24. But no public publicity in the press because he did not want his family to be affected by this so he would go on to confess to killing 17 women and raping 30 other women over 12 years after ballistics came back testing the bullets found at the crime scene to his guns that's when he agrees to the plea deal when he they're like yeah it's a match and he's like fuck okay he would be convicted in 1984 on four counts of first-degree murder, which translates to 461 years, in case you wanted to know, without the possibility of parole. And the four murders that he would get life sentences for were Sherry Morrow, Joanne Messina, Eklut Annie, and Paula Foundling because they had evidence for those. They didn't really have evidence on any of the other ones yet. So like, well, we know we can get him on these, so let's get him on these and work on the rest. His wife, his second wife and mother of his two children, divorces him two years later in 1986 after she's finally fed up with their children getting bullied for the crimes that his father committed and turning her back on Alaska forever and never returning. She was a very devout Christian woman, and she really believed in the sanctity of marriage. So it really broke a lot of her constitutional values to do that. But, you know, good for you. He would be first sent to the U.S. Penitentiary in Lewisburg, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And in 1988, he gets transferred to the Alaska. He gets transferred to Alaska to the Lemon Creek Correctional Center in Jouay, Junay, Janay. No, Janay. <laughs> and then he would be moved to the Spring Creek Correction Center in Seward, or I say Seward, and I heard someone called Seward. And that might be right. I learned a kayak in Seward, Seward, Alaska. So that was fun. And irrelevant, but regardless. 
<laughs> and then in May of 2014, he would be moved again to the Anchorage Correction Complex due to health complications. And then subsequently, on August 21st of 2014, at the age of 75, he would die of natural causes. So, want want. Overall, he gave police the locations of 17 grave sites in and around the South Central Alaska, in and around South Central Alaska. 12 of these bodies were unknown to the police. The remaining markings on the map, Robert refused to speak about, but officers do believe that two of the three in the Resurrection Bay area could belong to Marysville and Megan Emmerich. So they do theorize that maybe two of those are there. In a rough total of probably 24 gravesites, 12 have been exhumed and returned to their families. So if he did kill 24 people, only about half of them have actually been put to rest at this point in time. I do have some not-so-fun facts for you, and then I will wrap up my sources. So not-so-fun facts. Two movies have actually been made. One is The Frozen Ground in 2013, which is a movie I actually watched, which I recommend. It was pretty good. It has Nicolas Cage in it. So there you go. And excuse me. Another movie in 2007 called Naked Fear is actually inspired by that, but it's actually about a serial killer in Mexico who is hunting and abducting women in the Mexico wilderness. So it's not about him, but it's loosely based on him. This also, this huge tragedy and complete neglect of the Alaska PD, inspired the state troopers to create methods to deal with sexual assault victims. They actually ended up building a $56 million crime lab to process evidence, neither of which existed previously. So that's a step in the right direction. Seven documentaries have been made about this, and six TV series have actually had episodes loosely inspired by him or about him directly, including some series as Dexter and SVU and even Forensic Files and stuff like that. So the New York Times also quoted Judge Ralph Moody of the Supreme Court as stating, and I quote, I cannot think of a bigger in the indictment wow indictment of society than we have here hansen was a well-known was well known to the courts including twice on abduction and rape charges psychiatrists have pegged how dangerous he could be women have reported him repeatedly and yet they turned him loose several times so there was that and included in the link to, in the description below there will be the link to the website and the phone number if you or anyone you know have been a victim of sexual assault, you can visit the RAINS website or Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or you can also text their helpline at 1-800-656-HOPE, which is 4673, which will also be in the descriptions below. So to wrap this whole thing up with a bow, here are my sources. The websites I used with, again, all sources will be in the description box were Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Grunge, Strange Outdoors, Ranker, Heavy, and MurderVictims.com. 
I listened to the Serial Killers podcast, Crime Junkie, Morbid, and True Crime all the time. And as I said, the movie that I watched was The Frozen Ground, which had John Cusack playing Robert. Nicholas Cage was the sergeant. And Vanessa Hudgens actually plays our lovely heroine. So, lovely heroine, Cindy. And she does a great job. Well, that's, that's cool. what I got. That was awesome. I am curious. I, I don't know if I've seen that movie or not. I'll have to see if it. Because I, I don't know. I'd like this movie I would have watched. I don't know. We'll see. I might watch it, though. Yeah, it was pretty good. Well, that was awesome. Well, it, it, I just, it's, it's a little frustrating, though, too. It's almost like this guy had, like, a freaking treasure map of all of his victims. Mm-hmm. And these people are still only at 12 out of 24. And we'll never know. Yeah. Unless they keep looking in those areas, so... I mean, well, I mean, hopefully he somebody him. is. Hopefully. I mean, you got a literal map here, you guys. <laughs> you have a literal map. We'll see. We shall see. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. It is almost 3 a.m., so I'm going to go brush my teeth and go to We appreciate you all, and we hope that you enjoy the two episodes you get this week. So. Thank you for your patience, you guys. Our life is chaos in just very different ways. We appreciate you. And we'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.